0: Cassidy Cash. I'm the host of That Shakespeare Life, the podcast that goes behind the curtain and into the real life and history of William Shakespeare.
1: That's right. Today, we're joined by Cassidy Cash of That Shakespeare Life, to consider those fabulous witches and other aspects of Shakespeare's wonderful play, Macbeth. First of all, I want to welcome Cassidy Cash of That Shakespeare Life, to the podcast. And thank you so, so much for being here with us
0: today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me.
1: Well, Cassidy, I'm hoping you all are familiar with her work. She is an expert, not only on the on the stage stuff, but especially the behind the scenes, behind the curtain stuff with Shakespeare, a real resource for all your Shakespeare needs. And I'm just so excited to have her here today. And um, I gathered up, as I was preparing for today, I gathered up some questions I've had from my own research and things I've run across that I have questions about and also things people have asked me about because we are talking today about witches in Macbeth. So before we even go any further than that, I need to ask about the curse associated with saying the name of the play. I've done a bit of research. I've read all kinds of different theories. So, I am not in a theater. I am just in my office. So, I am feeling like I can say it. But tell us a little bit about that.
0: Oh, I am I don't know anything except for the rumors. So, I can I can feed the rumors here. But of course, if you have a drama background, you know that you have to call it the Scottish play. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't call it Macbeth. So, um I feel like I should turn around three times and you know, do the whole reverse incantations, just saying it here with you now that you've, you've said. And you can look up reverse the curse to Macbeth. It's you have to leave the theater, spin around three times, then spit, curse, and knock on the theater door and ask to be let back in. So if you're new and you're doing Macbeth for the first time in a theater, make sure you know that before you go in. Uh, <laughs> right. Keep, keep everybody safe. We don't want anybody getting hurt during the during the performances there. But um, supposedly, there was a coven of witches that um, objected to Shakespeare using real incantations. And so somewhere around the the play's first performance, they put a curse on the play, and it has since been riddled with disaster. I have no actual history to back up that rumor and legend at all, but that's supposedly where it comes from.
1: Right. And then, of course, in a theater with lots of moving parts, it's not all that unusual for somebody to get hurt or for something to fall over and almost hit someone. But if it's during the production of that play, it's always attached to the curse
0: always. Yes, that's what, <laughs> that's what they will say. And you know, you can go back and look at theater history. and there are a lot of cases where people get injured doing this particular play. So it's it's certainly a, a fun legend to to have Absolutely. right
1: it's It's great, it's great, but since we're not in a theater, we're going to go ahead and use the title. So wish us luck <laughs> so and And we're just going to jump in and talk about the witches, so we may annoy them as well. Um, <laughs> I was thinking that the there are quite a few witches in literature, and yet these witches in Macbeth are sort of a touchstone. But we do see other versions of witches, and I was thinking just very recently, as Wicked's back on stage, you know, in Broadway, and things are opening up. Of course, The Wizard of Oz has some very famous good witches and bad witches, and those are the terms they use. And then, and Cassidy mentioned this when we were discussing it earlier. Harry Potter actually has quite strong connections to Macbeth, and some of the language of Harry Potter incorporates some lines from Macbeth. And so it's, it's this done. really cool. Tell us a little bit about that.
0: Um, in Macbeth is similar to me to Harry Potter, I think, I, in terms of cultural impact as well as performance, just the whole theme and it approaches it. But the Frog Choir in Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban seeing the entire witch's chant from Shakespeare's Macbeth in that movie um so definitely look for that when you when you go
1: there right it's great and so it's just really fun to see how the creation of these characters by Shakespeare continues to permeate our society and our cultural you know representations in movies and that's known as a fun great movie with a lot of things in it but there is also Shakespeare in it which i think is so great so In Shakespeare's time, of course, the supernatural world was very real to people. So they believed in fairies and spirits and witches. So before we just dive into the witches, let's talk a little bit about the lighter side of that supernatural world, because I do think... Shakespeare gives us a range of characters, both human and non-human, and sometimes thinking of the comparison really makes those differences resonate. So let's think about the fairies in Midsummer Night's Dream and Ariel in The Tempest. What are your thoughts on those non-human or supernatural characters? What kind of powers do they display and how are they portrayed and perceived in the plays and as we watch them.
0: In in Macbeth, the witches seem to be portrayed specifically with an irredeemable evil intention, whereas in comedy of X, Errors witches are described by Antipolis of Syracuse as dark-working sorcerers that change the mind, soul-killing witches that deform the body, disguised cheaters, prating mountbanks, and many such-like liberties of sin. That's a quote from Comedy of Errors. I think that the impression that witches are not only evil, but that they're out to do harm in ways that are not easily recognizable at the surface of things. That entire perspective about witches definitely carries over into the plot of Macbeth. We see Macbeth, He's not repulsed by the witches. Instead, he's entranced by their tale of power. And you think if someone believed witches to be truly evil, we expect that they would run away from their prophecies (laughs) and try to thwart what anything that person said to be true, well, it's got to be wrong. But Macbeth takes the witches' statement as fact. Now, he turns out to have misunderstood them to his own mortal error. But at the same time, isn't it interesting that he believed them at all? I think it's, he recognizes and certainly himself believes, that their power was real. And I think that's the distinction between witches and what you're uh, putting together here as non-human characters for Shakespeare's plays. Witches are considered to be real by the society Shakespeare's writing for in the 16th and 17th century. And there's not a real political divide about it either. It's not like issues today where we have you know left-wing and right-wing ideas about things and, and people are sort of debating it. Um, it's more like, is there a sun in the sky? Everyone pretty much agrees Yes, that's there. Um, but for Shakespeare's England, the foundation of a real, active, supernatural world was, was universal for, for his lifetime. Events like the witch trials prove this fact because the question wasn't, are there witches or are witches real? It was, how do we identify witches? And in many ways, I think the witches in Macbeth would have been terrifying for Shakespeare's audience in the same way a film depicting a serial killer or a child predator would be terrifying for us today because there is that extra layer of terror brought to the role because the audience knows what they're seeing is possible in real life. And for characters like the fairies in A Midsummer Night's Dream, as well as Ariel in The Tempest, I think those characters were recognizable from popular folklore. And there was perhaps a little bit more doubt about their veracity than there was with witches. I believe fairies and spirits were either more accepted in society than witches were, or they were closer to legend than fact in the minds of the majority um, of popular opinion, because we don't see that same universal response to them the way we do with with witches and evil spirit magic. You know, nobody was being hung from the gallows or burned at the stake or or sent sent to prison for possibly being a fairy. And, and so I think there's a separation for sure.
1: That's great, and that's a really good point. And you can see... When you look at something like Comedy of Errors, which is an unexpected place to find a discussion of witches, honestly, you know, you think of that being just sort of a funny Fun, kind of thing.
0: And let's rag on witches. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So those those messages, those, you know, sort of cautions about witches were very real and it, it sort of given full reign in Macbeth. And what you were saying about we have things we are afraid of today That same fear, that same (gasps) fear would have been the case for Shakespeare's audience in his time. And one of the things I always like to remind people is Shakespeare was not writing for us. He was writing for people in his time.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: And they would have been really frightened of of these witches and of this notion of someone who is listening to who's willing to stand there and hear them out and then a character who was later seeking their counsel you know he's wanting the witches to tell him more and so yeah macbeth is an interesting character we're going to keep talking about him but i did want to share one production i saw that seemed to do a good job for me at least of taking the idea of fear into our time. And it had the witches and they were in the woods, you know, with the wonderful scenes. But then they would take their cloaks down and they became servants in Shakespeare's, I'm sorry, in Macbeth's household. And they sort of were always there. And when he went somewhere, they were part of his serving group. And so they were on stage all the time and then they would put their cloaks back up and their hoods back on and go out and be the quote witches again but that notion that they were there all the time they were watching everything he did they heard every word he spoke they were just always there and that was a really eerie way to see those characters portrayed i that wonder is,
0: if- that is really interesting i mean i i haven't done the research into um the the which is looked like visibly for the 16th century. So I don't know if this would bear out, but I definitely feel like, you you get the impression that with witches, you don't necessarily recognize them to look at them. They're not going to be repulsive or scary looking. They're going to look like you or me and, and they're going to look like normal everyday people. And then all of a sudden they're going to have these magic powers that could really do harm. And I think that's bore out with some of the 16th century remedies and tests for witches and magic that they had from Shakespeare's lifetime. And, so, definitely putting them in that context of they're this everyday person that's just in the household and and they're they're there all the time, and you <clears throat> you don't necessarily recognize them as witches, they're certainly not green or covered in warts mm-hmm. or things like that um I, I think that's a, a historical interpretation of witches for sure,
1: right, and it does sort of bear out because when you get to the witch trials, they don't just look at them and say, "Oh, yes, I see your green skin." therefore I know you're a witch, you know, there's, right. there's no there. sign
0: around their neck going, mm-hmm. I'm a witch, you know, mm-hmm. you've got to bear that out. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. And so that idea that they sort of look like everybody else, which again is what's so fearful. Yes. And I think that kind of undercurrent, you know, gives us another little way that Shakespeare is embedding this feeling and these shivers into the plays. We don't always get that today, but I thought that staging of it was particularly helpful as a way to just remind us all, this is a frightening idea, that these characters can see what we're doing and make an attempt to, as you say, manipulate and harm us in our lives. And so I thought that worked pretty well. So that was interesting. Now, I know that there were other reasons besides just pure... um well, dramatic genius, that Shakespeare would want to have a play that called out to, in certain ways, the new king. So after Elizabeth I died, the kingdom was in some sense of turmoil. The Catholics and the Protestants, and again, those terms aren't don't mean the same thing today that they meant then, but there was still a lot of turmoil religiously, and now you have a new king coming down, and there are plagues and you know things are going wrong. And there are some suspicions of Shakespeare's family as well at the time. So can you speak to, because I know you shared some great information with me, can you speak to the notion of this particular play in the context of Shakespeare's career, but particularly his career with King James?
0: Yes. Actually, I think Macbeth is a great example of Shakespeare being hyper contemporary. This is one of the things we say on our show all the time is that you really can't understand Shakespeare without understanding what was going on when his plays were written. And Macbeth just really slices into what was going on exactly when the the play got put together. And you mentioned earlier that Shakespeare wasn't writing for us, and he wasn't even writing for the 16th century audience primarily. Shakespeare includes witches because of James I, but you have to remember that theater was different in Shakespeare's lifetime than it is today. The audience members and the people buying tickets to his plays weren't the primary customers for Shakespeare's plays. The entire idea of having a dedicated playhouse where you sell tickets for people to come to your theater and see a play was a brand new industry model for Shakespeare's lifetime. Shakespeare was one of the first people to do this format in the world for his theater industry, when he was writing plays, the people who controlled whether or not you were able to continue operating as a business weren't the people buying tickets. And that's important to point out in context of Macbeth, because it's counterintuitive to what we assume about theater. Instead, it was your patron that controlled your ability to stay employed as a playwright. And for Shakespeare's company, they were brand new. They had just been newly minted as the king's men. Previously, they were the Lord Chamberlain's men. And then under James I, they became officially patronized in sixteen. 1603. There was, as you mentioned, a plague that delayed them marching in his coronation parade until 1604. The gunpowder plot takes place in 1605. And during that event... Shakespeare's close family was indicted as Im- implicated as being involved. And then Macbeth is presented before the King at the very next major event Shakespeare's company is called to perform in a lot of ways. Macbeth is like a loyalty letter to King James and it's much less a commentary on the audience's perception of witches as opposed to being entirely strongly intentionally and even vehemently about proving Shakespeare's loyalty to James the first because Shakespeare's at the pinnacle of his career right now. And the Ardens being implicated in the plot had the potential to ruin Shakespeare entirely, if not see him imprisoned and executed for his association to trying to assassinate the king and parliament. So Macbeth is is about Shakespeare going out of his way to prove that he's very pro James I. And there are a ton of references in the play that show Shakespeare was trying to draw on current events and state to James I directly and publicly that Shakespeare is a loyal subject.
1: Right. We, I think, often lose sight of how political the theater was in this time. And when we think of the theater, it's this great gathering place. I mean, it is, a as you said earlier, it's a new form, it's a new idea, and anyone can come to the theater. So it's this great gathering place, which is one of the things that worried the government and really bothered the Puritans. This great gathering place of all levels of society And one of the ways that ideas were presented was as a story of another time. And so Shakespeare's plays are so much more political than we realize. And that's a great example of that. The need to prove himself to the new king and to clear his name and maybe disassociate himself from some members of his family who seemed to be in some trouble at the time. And again, as you said, just make this really public proclamation. But I need to ask, and I know this is one of those questions that um, just people just are so interested in Lady Macbeth, and you mentioned that too. But I wonder if we could talk just a little bit, and I don't want to go into specific politics and make a big deal about a particular recent female politician who was so often called, quote, Lady Macbeth. But we do see this character, this very strong character in Shakespeare, who knows what she wants and has some ambition and goes after it, often being almost summoned to represent a female who refuses to be controlled or defined by the men around her. And I would say that being called a, quote, Lady Macbeth today is not usually a compliment. And at the same time, being called a witch today is not usually a compliment. So what do you think, more about specifically Lady Macbeth, how has her character become associated with something negative or at least that is attempted to be used? I don't know how successfully, but people attempt to use it to put down women who are trying to take control of their lives and express their ambition.
0: And you want me to answer that without delving into anything? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you, um, as much as you can, because I know it's not okay. possible, right? It, it's not it possible. Well, I think, um, I, well, I don't know. People take figures from art and turn them into a whole lot of things. So I can't, I can't possibly know why they latched onto her, but I think power in general, whether it's a man or a woman um, who is in a position of power has to also have the wisdom to not overpower or, or run over the people that they're working with and, or, or who have working under them. And I think in in lady macbeth's case from the play obviously she manipulates and harms and creates a great deal of disaster because of her need for power and i think that's why she's associated with being negative i think you could you could reasonably Um, apply the term Lady Macbeth to a man in a position of power who does the same thing. Um, I don't think it's about her being a woman. I think it's about her misuse of power. What's interesting about her character in the play as a woman, though, is that traditionally when we are taught about the history of the 16th century, we're taught that women were, were essentially slaves to the men in their life. They were subservient all the time and they didn't, you know, we're, we're taught that they couldn't read most of the time and that they didn't have careers most of the time. And they, but when you actually look into the history of, of art, like this play, you find out that that wasn't the universal perspective on women at all. Lady Macbeth. Um, I mean, obviously there's a strong woman on the throne. So obviously at least one woman in England had a very powerful job and, Lady Macbeth is an example of a woman who wasn't subservient at all. In fact, she was the, the pants in that family for sure. <laughs> and so they, she, her character challenges a lot of what we think we know about what the relationships were between men and women in the 16th century, about what the role of women in society was for the 16th century. I think there's definitely something to be said for... An, an understanding of how women in positions of power have a choice about whether or not to um, manipulate, overpower, and even, I mean, I even think you could say she broke down Macbeth. You know, Macbeth was this strong warrior. He could have. Her influence in his life could have been used for good to help him become something wonderful. And instead, she used her power to destroy him, destroy them as a couple, and obviously to, you know, just to create this tragedy. And I feel like it's a moral lesson about the dangers of power and the power of a woman in, uh, you know, her partner's life. And I think you should there's a lot of lessons to take from that that we don't typically apply to the 16th century. So it's really Mm -hmm. exciting to see her from Shakespeare's lifetime because it opens up a whole avenue of questions about, you know, maybe women weren't the weaklings that we say they were.
1: Right. And at the beginning of the play, the two of them seem to have one of the Strongest marriages that we see in Shakespeare. I mean, they treat each other as equals and with respect at the beginning, right? So they do start in this place where she has not been subservient or where she does not feel like second class or second rate. Um, And it makes me think that there are these characters in Shakespeare. He does have these roles for women that when we look for them and pay attention to them, we can learn some interesting things about that. So I really appreciate that. And I know that the character of Lady Macbeth, you know, some of the great portrayals of her and she's portrayed differently in different productions, but it is such a rich character and someone who makes decisions that are her own decisions for good or unfortunately for evil, but she is making her own decisions. And and that is something really significant that I do think um, stands out in that play. And when we think about women and we think about making decisions about their own lives, we do see the power of that. We see it go better in other plays than we see it end up in this particular play, but it is a a great way to think about the women in the play. So in in this play, this character in this play in particular. So we have talked about quite a few um, different things with witches and um, this particular play and how this play is... Both a representation of beliefs in the society of a, of a wide range of, of pretty much all the people. People shared a belief in witches and in the supernatural. And so we have seen how this play reflects that. And at the same time, it's also a play that's directed in different ways to different audiences right up to the king as a political statement so we can sort of think about that context in shakespeare's time and at the same time this is one of the plays that is very popular today and In discussions I've had when I say, okay, tell me a Shakespeare play, this is one that is always on the top of people's mind. And I I mean, audiences who do not consider themselves Shakespeare scholars or even necessarily Shakespeare fans, almost everyone has heard of this play and knows that Shakespeare wrote it. So this play has had a real strong connection that has continued. So I'm wondering, what are some of the reasons you think that this play that had so much rich context in its time and seems to be one of the plays that is really embedded in that time, in Shakespeare's day. Why has that play continued to be popular to today so that it's the one that ends up, we mentioned Harry Potter, but we can also say that in Hamilton, Shakespeare is quoted in Hamilton as well. So it continues to inform our modern culture. And I wonder what you thought about What has made it such a lasting play for us, as well as for Shakespeare's time? It's so
0: fun to find the Shakespeare references in modern TV shows. I was watching, I'm a big fan of the show Bones, and they had a whole episode Mm -hmm. recently where the they were quoting Shakespeare lines. they had a suspect that could only communicate in Shakespeare lines, and so they were quoting Shakespeare back and forth. I do think it oh, how fabulous. Yeah, it was a lot of fun, but it, it permeates that our our culture for sure. And so I think that's one way that it stays in the modern consciousness. You know, somebody that doesn't necessarily know Shakespeare will understand, oh, they're quoting Shakespeare. and so that's a little bit of an influence. But in terms of why this particular play stays, popular. I think obviously the witches in Macbeth are fun in the same way that monsters in science fiction films are what makes that story exciting. I'm not sure I know the secret formula to what makes a successful play, but I can say for sure that Shakespeare did. Um, Some of the things I enjoy about Macbeth in particular is that we see this dark story of a man who succumbs to his desire for power and he really shouldn't have. He He was this celebrated warrior, honored and revered, and then he's led astray. And I think we can resonate with that story because, you know, we understand that even great men are human, which means no one is perfect. And we we know how fragile everything is. And in Macbeth, we see this this weakness of character is, is not about your outward physical strength. Macbeth wasn't strong enough uh, to overcome his own internal weakness. And I think that's just um, a human story that we resonate with. Obviously having a very strong female character in the play and Um, and getting, getting to see, getting to see her is exciting. Um, I think we're intrigued by challenges to our expectations when we encounter Macbeth. Um. Some other great moments that are when the king is crowned and we see the forest start to move. I love to think about how Shakespeare would have pulled that off um, in these massive sweeping scenes technologically for the 16th century. I'd love to know more about how that happened. Cause you know, it must've been impressive um, something like seeing Lord of the Rings for the first time when everyone's like, Oh my goodness, what is this? And um, everyone's in awe. I really think Shakespeare's plays have some of that. And I mean, I can point out some of these awesome attributes, but I can't say why I think Shakespeare's Macbeth is, is famous and a nice, succinct dancer. I wish I could. But I, I think we can analyze his works to pull out things like cool costumes, challenging dialogue, and huge battle scenes. Always a plus if you're writing a play. Um, these are all good things that, that, are, that are good to include. Um, so I think many artists continue to come back to Shakespeare for inspiration because obviously what he did worked and when you know this worked, it's a great foundation for what you want to do in the future.
1: That is great. And from everything, for the from the very most personal, like you mentioned, this is the story of a person who has a lot of things that are going well for him. He's recognized, he's celebrated, he's given a lot of praise, and then he's given opportunities to make decisions. So we see this person make, You know, decisions on a personal level. We see the marriage. So that's sort of a personal thing, right up to, as you say, you know, this is about kingdoms and wars and crownings. And then there's the special effects and all of that comes together. And so I think it is one of those plays that, you know, is not just for his time, but for all time because it continues to captivate. Audiences today. And one of the things that it offers us is a fascinating look into the witches and this idea of what they know and how they use knowledge and language to play with people. And if you think about it, you know, there's from when we started and you talked about the description and comedy of errors of how they cause harm. We don't see them putting the kinds of curses we might expect them to put on people and making them unable to walk or unable to talk or any of those kinds of things. What they do is they use their language to cause the harm that then is carried out in action. So it's a really fascinating look at what is possible in Shakespeare's time and how that continues into ours.
0: Something fun for you to think about as you take Macbeth with you is there is a legend that holds that on the night Macbeth was first performed for King James, it was William Shakespeare who had to fill in for the role of Lady Macbeth for a player who fell ill at the last minute. Now that's anecdotal, but isn't it delightful to consider?
1: I love those stories. Thank you. That is perfect. That is a perfect note to end on. So not only did Shakespeare create Lady Macbeth, he then created her on stage. So that might be really, or possibly did. That's a really fun, that's a great way to to wrap up. Thank you. So Cassidy, tell us where we can find you and more about these plays and more insights into them.
0: Absolutely. We have a great article on castacash.com about how Macbeth saved Shakespeare and the gunpowder plot that goes into some of the details we mentioned about how Shakespeare was writing this directly to King James. I'll give that link to Carol Ann so she can share Mm -hmm. that with you guys. But you can find us every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm the host of That Shakespeare Life, and we go behind the curtain and into the real life and history of William Shakespeare there. So find us on your favorite podcast platform or come say hey CassidyCash.com.
1: And that is an excellent idea. I will have all the links on um, the show notes, but CassidyCash.com is a great resource. And I encourage you all to check it out for everything about it, about Shakespeare and living that Shakespeare life, which is so great. I love thinking about that. Thank you so much, Cassidy, for sharing your time and your expertise on this really terrific subject. And all these questions about the witches and Macbeth and Shakespeare and what he's trying to do in his time and how that's continued to touch us in ours. Thank you so much. And thank you all for listening. We have a lot of other exciting things to share, so stay tuned, but just can't thank Cassidy enough. Thank you so much to Cassidy Cash of That Shakespeare Life for sharing her insights with us as we discuss the witches in Macbeth. And a special thank you and shout out to our two new patrons, Helen Gibson and Margot Thorson. And a special invitation to all of you to please check out the Patreon page and join us in the Royals, Rebels, and Romantics patron family. I really appreciate your listening. Please plan to join us again soon and let's keep shaking up history together.